Hey there, and welcome to the Smart and Simple Matters show with your host, Joel Zeslovsky. This one's for us folks who have been on a crash, recover, crash, recover cycle and feel like they have had enough or never want to be there again. This is episode number 102. Woomp, estamos aquí, amigo. That means woomp, here we are, friend, in Espanol. And here we are again indeed. I'm producing another episode for your wonderful brain. And you're creating the time and attention to benefit from it. Nice, huh? It's a good thing we have going. So let's keep it continuing. You'll have to excuse me. I'm kind of in a boom, boom, boom mode right now because I want to make sure I don't take too long before I get you to hear some wisdom from my groovy guest. First of all, this episode is brought to you by my voice and Patreon supporters. I don't know sponsors. I love it that way. I just have you. So consider showing your support for me, this show, and our community at joelzeslowski.com slash support. Second of all, here is an extra dose of love to Lady Lars on iTunes, who recently wrote this review of the show. Joel sounds like one of those people who is relentlessly positive, and that is why I truly enjoy this podcast. Sometimes it's easy to get in a downward spiral of thinking about your life and others in only one way, but Joel's enthusiastic and intentional delivery always cheers me up and gets me thinking about things in new and different ways. Enthusiastic and intentional, that's a great combo, and I received that Lady Lars, and like all my shout-outs, I eagerly and gratefully shared your words in the show notes for this episode at joelzislavsky.com slash sasm102. I know, I bet, I bet we can help other people realize that powerful, enthusiastic, and intentional combo, eh? Fortunately, my guest for this episode, Christine Walker, who I heard in a Slow Home podcast episode, and I knew, I just knew, I wanted to have her on Smart and Simple Matters as well. She combined some serious zing with some deliberate bada-bing, baby. (laughs) Oh, you're about to hear... All kinds of niftiness from her, like why going fast is addictive in our brains and our culture. What to do when your mindfulness muscles are weak. I'm flexing mine right now. Can you feel them? Flex yours too. Are they strong? If not, this is going to help. We'll also talk about a surprising way to get off the to-do list treadmill and even some science, like the differences between breathing with your belly versus your chest. So let's pump up the jam for the next, I don't know, 45 minutes and flex those mindfulness muscles in your head. Here we go. 
Rabbit trails, rabbit trails. I think we're about to go down rabbit trails. Uh, will I? That was silly. Yes, I know. Will I and my gracious guest, Christine Walker, a physical therapist and professional yoga therapist with her own practice in Charlotte, North Carolina. Are we going to talk about downward facing dog first? Maybe sports in North Carolina? Or we're going to explore why she primarily works with youth, athletes, and active adults, providing a highly personalized and integrative approach to rehab, yoga, and sports training? Or will we end up talking about our own kids more? I don't know, but I'm, I'm starting to think, are we going to talk about personal meditation practices or what we're doing to have more nothing in our lives? I don't know. Christine doesn't know. You don't know. But I do know this. Christine, I am stoked to have you join me for chat. Well, thank you for having me. Well, hey, what do you say? Let's start where I normally start a conversation with something I call the seeds of awesomeness. I want to help people understand how you came to be the person you are today. If you could, can you tell us something unique about your environment as a youth or maybe a crucial experience you had growing up that had a big impact on current you? Well, there are so many different factors. It's almost hard to choose one, I guess. Um, I feel like as a youth, I was that hyperactive, go, 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 focused on productivity kid, which, you know, had its benefits, I realize now, but also was unsustainable uh, for me. And that really has shaped who I've become now as an adult, um, kind of coming to terms with that, that person who I was as a youth, um, and, and also accepting that it, it, some of those characteristics actually have benefit for me. I just remember um, people always saying that, you know, I never stopped moving. <laughs> um, and that's probably true. I was very active. I was involved in um, highly competitive soccer growing up and loved, loved doing it, loved being active, loved being outside, but was also just hyper-focused on always doing something. The idea of sitting still and doing nothing pretty much scared the living daylights out of me. And that really continued until I was an adult, until I had my first child a couple, um, almost three years ago, and realized that this lifestyle wasn't going to keep working for me. And if anything, I pretty much found that by hitting rock bottom. So that is really, I think my active childhood is really probably the biggest thing um, of my past that's shaped where I've come and where I am today. What were some of the challenges? You talked about pros and cons, uh, some mm-hmm. characteristics of your perhaps hyperactive youth being good. Like on the soccer field, I want you playing soccer on my team. If you're constantly in motion and you're not lollygagging and you're always exactly. engaged, that is amazing. <laughs> but I would imagine if you're, I, I think I heard you talk about somewhere else, you, there was some trip that you took to some integrated medicine school in in high school, they were yeah. doing some kind of yoga training and you were reading some books about yoga. Most, so at least that was an idea that yeah, was like appealing it. to me in high school. But yet at the same time, it was something I couldn't even relate to at that time. It was like, huh, this seems interesting. This seems different. You mean people don't all live like me just going all the time. And when I say going all the time, like I, the, the craziest example I can think of is I felt guilty if when I was heating something up in the microwave, if I hit two, three, zero, instead of hitting two, three, three, because two, three, three is way more efficient and I must be efficient in everything I do. 
I mean, we're talking like, it's a little obsessive, I guess. I mean, it's very controlling of my life just to try to be that active. So yeah, when I was in high school, um, Duke Integrative Medicine opened up and my mom took me to visit. They were doing tours because back in the, back then that was, that was a big deal. Integrative medicine wasn't really even a catchphrase yet. Um, the fact that they were doing uh, traditional Western medicine under the same roof as yoga and massage and acupuncture was pretty novel. Um, so we went and visited and that, that was part of what started to spark my interest in, oh, things can be done differently, whether that's our healthcare system and the way we treat patients, which for me as a physical therapist is something I think about a lot, or whether that's, you know, how I take care of myself like, and how I spend my time. It just presented a whole other way of life that I hadn't really thought much about. Or, you know, as a kid, you're so self-focused, you're, you don't even realize exist. You just think everybody's like you, honestly. <laughs> so. Yeah. so two things here. Well, first one, the microwave thing of hitting mm-hmm. 233 instead of 230 to save a nanosecond of your yeah. lifetime. And you can rededicate that to something else. I heard uh, Courtney Carver and I did a webinar last year about the busy boycott. And she was relating the story about a woman who did 111 on the microwave instead of 100 yes. to save that split second of time. I, I almost thought, I was like, come on. Really? Uh-huh. Not that I'm judging here, but I thought that was almost like a myth where people were telling this story as a, as a microcosm <laughs> of the busyness of the constantly going that we have. But you have experienced nope. that firsthand. I have experienced it firsthand. I mean, I honestly, even if I go to the microwave today, I sit there and I have to say to myself, no, you're going to hit every last number for the exact time you want because, it, you know, it's okay. Like. <laughs> It is okay. You have the time and you do not have to, you do not have to live like this. I mean, I think that's really what I say to myself is you don't have to live like this anymore. Cause it becomes, I would say that speed and you see it in our modern day life right now, even that speed and that productivity, it's, it's addictive. And we know it's addictive on like a chemical level in our brain too. We, we, we get to that pace and kind of gets our fight or flight system going and um, that, that sensation can feel good. And, um, if we activate that too often, then our body just craves that all the time. So, um, it's ha- It's been hard. It almost feels like you're recovering from a, you know, internal addiction with your own brain. <laughs> um, you know, well, it's not something external, but it's more, it's more, um, controlling, I think, than some people realize. But it is external to some extent too, because yeah. although you were very, self-focused growing up. I was too. I think most people in Western culture are. You mentioned before that you you didn't see anyone else living a different way. Like you thought Mm -hmm. you weren't an anomaly growing up, constantly going, not being able to stay still, uh, always being productive. And I'm sure you were surrounded by other people who were like that, maybe even family members or friends. So it's not like you were a total outlier. This is just this right. is partially a cultural thing and also an internal thing that we need exactly. to reconcile on ourselves too. One thing that I'm curious about is how did you make that shift? You said you, you don't have to live like this and mm-hmm. it would be good to understand a little bit better. Like what does it feel like when you're living like this? How did you transition from that person into the kind of person that you are now? How does your normal this feel different than the former this? Well, a lot of that starts with the birth of my daughter, and it actually kind of started before because I was unfortunately on 13 weeks of bed rest with her before giving birth. 
So when you think about the person I described, the one who can't even sit still or type, you know, two, three, zero into the microwave, um, now being asked to lay on the couch all day for 13 weeks is a um, dramatic lifestyle change. Um, So I would say that's where it started. Now, um, I actually, considering, I kind of thought, oh, this is going to be a 13 weeks of down and out, and then my daughter will come, and then I'll just be so itching to go again that I'll be back to my normal self. You know, that was really where my brain was during that time, um, which of course it was scary, not knowing if she would come early. And, um, there was just a lot of emotions behind all that, but it also, I mean, it did a lot to me both mentally and physically that I didn't even realize at the time. And so then after she came, of course, being a first time parent, you're just, the learning curve is so steep and you have to figure it out really fast. I mean, I was so overwhelmed, (laughs) um, And not to mention my body was just so weak and exhausted, not just from laboring and having a baby, but because I didn't do anything for three months leading up to having a baby. You know, I went from being this athletic, in shape person to I can't even walk around the block. I'm I'm just like going to fall over. I'm just so tired. And then on top of that, you add the fatigue of being up and feeding your baby all night. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that being dependent on the mom. Um, If you choose to breastfeed, then that's just a whole lot of... um, extra stress. And I just did not handle it very well, honestly. Um, how how did you handle it? I mean, you, (laughs) it it didn't sound like you at that point in time, you hadn't instilled a personal yoga practice yet. I don't think we'll we'll talk a little bit more. I hope about mindfulness and meditation, how you conceive of it, how you practice it. So you didn't have any of these things. So you wake up who, assuming that there's probably at two hours between the last time that you slept because those kids, (laughs) especially when first start. What did it, what was your day feel like in terms of going, did you feel like a robot going through the motions? Like you were just on the automated cycle? I'm not even sure I was automated at this point. I mean, for months I was probably needing outside help and other people to still help me just make it through the day. Um, it was a tough time postpartum, very difficult and, um, pretty much with me, I mean, not, not functioning as a person. (laughs) So, um, did you, you know, just, did you know um, that you were eventually. non-functional or was it your husband it, or your it, friends it who pointed my, out like, Hey, Christine, my, um, my dad and husband. <laughs> so you didn't even know that this was at least not to the full extent that this was going no. on. Somebody had to point it out to you. Like, um, you might need to practice some self-care right now. We might to- need some help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you know, and I'm, I mean, I'm a healthcare professional. It's not like I'm not aware of all of these things and signs and symptoms, but when it comes to yourself, it's a totally different ball game. So I, um, yeah, my dad and husband both in the same weekend looked at me and was like, this is not right. This is not normal. We got to do something about this. And so that's, you know, really when I started to rebuild my life and rebuild it in a different way than where it was before. Um, I think I always, kind of knew that the fast paced life that I was living before wasn't exactly what I wanted, but I didn't know how to do anything different. And I didn't have things like yoga or meditation, um, that I was pursuing at that point. I mean, 
I definitely had my faith and my religion and that was huge. That was probably the only reason I made it through it all. But, um, I didn't have other ways of learning how to take care of myself and what that meant. Um, I didn't have the practical self skills for that. That's when I really started to realize and all those nights late of breastfeeding actually is when I kind of came upon, um, the simple living community and minimalism and just every name you can throw out there somewhat related to, um, slowing your lifestyle down. And, and luckily, you know, thanks to the internet and blogs and podcasts, there's so much more out there these days that you can learn. Oh, there are other ways to handle like life stress and, um, just other ways of living to make things easier. So I, that's when I really kind of came upon the whole simple living movement and, um, I, so I started doing, um, I started going to a great Christian counselor. Um, and that was a huge step for me in really learning. I didn't have to live life this way. When I say that she's really the one that helped me learn that in the midst of all that. And in the midst of me kind of finding myself again, I came across, I started looking into yoga and meditation at, at her recommendation And um, I remember the day where she looked at me and she goes, your mindfulness muscles are just so weak. And I'm a a physical therapist. So, you know, you say muscles weak, like, okay, I get that. That's what I do all day. I train, train people's muscles, right? So that just really clicked with me. And so I started looking into, well, what do I do to make them stronger? Like, I know, you know, I'm an athlete. I get it. You're weak in something. You want to get better. You train. So how do I train this? And that's when I found I ended up using Headspace, which I love because I felt like it pretty much held my hand. This this girl who could not sit down for more than a couple seconds by herself and sit still, it held my hand and really said, here's how you do it. Here's yeah. how you can train, um, you know, and train your mindfulness muscles, basically. Um, and I know there's, there's so many apps out there that are fantastic and Headspace is a great one to start with. Andy Pudicombe. But it's so good. I, I actually had a chat with him, episode 40 of the show. He and I talked for about uh, an hour about Headspace and the themes around it. And as I was talking with him, I'm like, Andy, I just feel so soothed right now. I just feel mm-hmm. so calm. He just has that presence. I, I recommended Headspace to a number of folks who are just getting started. I personally like Insight Timer. I like, uh-huh. uh, I don't, I'm not really into guided meditation as a regular thing. I'm more into Bell's and intervals and trying to lengthen the gap between the bells to bring me back because the mind wanders and that's fine. Yeah. So yeah, headspace is a great place to start. And okay. So let's, let's keep going as far as meditation goes. Sure. You've got a funny story. You don't have to recount it about the first time you meditated and what happened. (laughs) Apparently Andy put you to sleep, right? For several hours. (laughs) Okay. You were so exhausted that you couldn't get through 10 minutes of Andy talking and your body just had to shut down. Pretty much, yeah. But part of (laughs) and I know Andy. Andy says, "Don't let yourself fall asleep." But you know, Andy, some people. I think if if you fall asleep, apparently your body just needed it. So that's my stance. (laughs) So so, you got this Christian counselor who gave you permission to think about things differently, to slow down, and then at at two in the morning, uh, breastfeeding sessions, or whether it's, you know, just during the course of the day, you were listening to a podcast episode or reading a blog post or however what it is. What, how did you give yourself permission to finally slow (laughs) down? That's a good question. Cause I think to some degree, um, 
that has always been my struggle. Everybody else will give me the permission, but really it comes down to feeling okay with the decision yourself. I mean, that's years of counseling work, honestly. Um, I just really found that I, I mean, I am by far my toughest critic and I'm the one that holds myself to these crazy standards of being active or um, just being productive. And I think the biggest, biggest thing that helped me give permission was the realization of how much better my body felt when I actually did give myself this time. And it took, you know, when I first started making life changes to give myself more time. Um, I mean, I was still very resistant. I mean, I was, I didn't fully buy on and really, really, I did it because I was being told to do it basically by people who I really trusted. And so I said, okay, I'm going to trust you guys and give this a try. But once I started to do, to slow down and take that time to meditate, even with the meditation, I almost feel my body like craving, when are you going to meditate today? You know, it gets to the point where you just realize how good it is for you and then how it's not just for you. I think Andy talks about this a lot in Headspace, but it's also for the people around you. Like you taking this time for yourself actually benefits others and realizing that it's not as selfish as maybe you make it sound in your head. Um, And if it benefits others and your relationships with others and your ability to connect with them when you are with them, you start to see all the positive benefits. And that's what made me be able to give myself permission is realizing how much better this made not only my life, but also my life with everybody else too. Um, Cause that's, that's more my focus. I mean, I, you know, I'm a mom. I'd rather of course, like sacrifice everything I'm doing to make sure everybody else is happy. But, but then, you know, if mommy's not happy, then everything's kind of a disaster anyway too. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it kind of comes back to that old saying, but you got to keep mommy happy. And, but it's not just mommy, it's everybody. I think really that was the turning point for me when I really started to see the benefits what are of the benefits? slowing down. When you, so when you do your 20, day, or 20 minutes of meditation a day, mm-hmm. maybe there's days where you don't get it in or you get it in much right. later than you anticipate. What does your mindfulness practice, what does it allow you to feel that you can't do or feel without it? I definitely, kind of like you feel when you're talking to Andy, I just feel a much better sense of calm and ability to handle decision-making, handle the daily tasks that need to be done, like have the energy to do the things that need to be done. Um, I'm also just, I'm better at prioritizing, honestly, what's important um, and letting go what's not. And I think that's that's huge. Um, You know, it's funny, I've also, something I've been thinking about lately is that how my to-do list, the idea of a to-do list has kind of disappeared for me. I used to be very much like if I didn't write it down, it wasn't going to happen because my brain wasn't going to remember, um, et cetera. And it's not that I never have a to-do list. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still make a grocery store list because there's no way I'd get in there and remember everything off the top of my head. But um, I don't like wake up daily with like all these objectives that I feel like I have to finish and do. And if I don't, then it's been a failure. Um, it's it's definitely helped me reprioritize daily life and, and, and also just be more aware of what does need to happen and what's important. And therefore I don't, I don't need a list for it because I just, Uh, you know, I don't know. I've just realized that lately that I've stopped making lists. (laughs) Wow. That's, that's a huge turnaround. I'm curious. Mm -hmm. I'm somebody who's highly organized. It's probably generous way of saying it. Uh, and I'm somebody, I don't really have to do lists, but I, I, 
everything in my Google calendar, I do it unless something crazy happens. Like on Sunday night, I have my hour long practice of mapping out my entire week. And mm-hmm. I know most people can't do that. They don't have the kind of predictability that I do. <laughs> yeah. Kind of work schedule. And that's just like a lot of people are thinking, Joel, <laughs> that would be awesome. But no, that's not my life, dude. How do you know whether you were productive or whether you were successful that day without your list? I think that's, I think that's been the biggest thing is it's not that I don't have a calendar. I mean, I have a calendar. I schedule patients. I have to know who's coming when. But it's like I don't have a daily um, – I'm not even sure how to describe it. But I guess the question is more about productivity. And so, you know, I think I've also learned I need to detach, like, whether or not I deem a day successful or good from what I've done during the day. Like, that doesn't – realizing that my worth doesn't come from that <laughs> – and resting in that and um, really resting and knowing that every day is good, really. <laughs> I mean, um, and just looking at things more as a blessing and, a, and, and just thankful for what I was able to do that day rather than trying to judge it on, I got so much of this off my list done today. I think that's really been my biggest mind shift in that. And I, that definitely doesn't probably work for all people. And honestly, it wasn't an intentional change. It's just something I've observed particularly the past six months and started thinking about that, noticing how that's changed for me um, personally. So I've noticed that the more intentional we get at our lives, I'm, I'm, this is a sweeping generalization here, but the more intentional we get our, in our lives, the unintentional things, the byproducts, mm-hmm. those tend to have better outcomes. Mm-hmm. More aligned with our values, the spirit, the kind of energy that we want to put into the world, the, the way that we want to help people. So once we get the core things down, whether it's in our family life, in our community life, in our work life, spirituality, whatever it is, we make these core decisions. I am this kind of a person. I do these kinds of things. All the other stuff that doesn't directly fall into those buckets, if you will, tends to just get better. And you realize, I, I, was, I, I didn't really think about what I was mm-hmm. doing there, but I like that. Like, good job, me. Like, <laughs> we are doing good here. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. A little self-pat on the back. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's important to have that. We, we were talking before we started recording here about how we, when we're good at something, when we like something that we've done, we're proud of it. We can be humble, but we can own it. And we can say, yeah, you know what? Kind of rock that. Kind of rock that facilitation that I was doing there. Kind of <laughs> that my, my client here was doing upward facing dog and I was instructing him how to do it properly. And next time he came in, I was like, whoa, look at your upward facing dog. <laughs> Good job you. But hey, I, was, I played a role in that too. Good job me. <laughs> well, before, exactly. I, I want to talk a little bit about your yoga therapy practice. But since we're still on the topic of meditation, there's one more thing. We both struggle in terms of how do I do that? How do I explain it? One thing that you definitely know how to explain is you have this great blog post. I'm going to link to it in the show notes about your mindfulness moment, spirit meditation. That's an acronym. Mm-hmm. S-P-R-I-T or S-P-R-I-T. I-R-I-T? I can spell <laughs> However spirit's spelled, you know. Yeah, I can spell sometimes. Just take us into that a little bit, if you would, please. Sure. That's just something I came up with after practicing for a little while on just um, not, and it can be something that you do for 20 minutes if you wanted, but really it was kind of meant to be something just to sort of check in with yourself during the day. And so I um, just created a simple acronym, and it just so happened spirit, I thought, was 
actually worked out really well. It just sort of seemed appropriate um, just to take a mindful moment. Um, And so it's just kind of an alternative to, you know, having something like an app or if you can um, memorize the word or figure out how to spell it, right? So um, S just stands for sensation, where you just pause and really um, take note of all your senses, whether that's that may be sound, it may be smell, maybe maybe vision. You may want to close your eyes, just seeing how your your body feels, um, and not like trying to change anything, but just taking note. I think we very easily we kind of ignore how our body feels, and a lot of my job as a PT. And in my own private practice, I really find physical it, therapist PT. Yes, PT. Okay. Sorry, um, I'm really working on people's body awareness and position awareness and how they complete movement. So, of course, um, I think about this in so many different ways. But really, this is just S is sensation. Kind of become aware of your body. Many people don't realize. Oh my gosh, I've been tensing my shoulders all day or something. Unless they just take a point and sense how they feel. Um, the P stands for picture. So, um, if you feel comfortable, you can close your eyes and, or just look at some single object. I'm not sure which one you do when you're meditating, but just let your imagination, um, picture you wherever you are or place yourself somewhere else. If you want to picture yourself at the beach or wherever happy place is, just picture yourself somewhere comfortable. And then eyes inhale just to remember to breathe and to start breathing. And I really like how um, I really like counting with my breath when I first um, started to learn meditation because that helped me help me focus. And I was shocked even how quickly my mind would wander when just trying to count to 10. Um, so I would do in and out to the count of 10. And if you, um, you know, you get distracted, you just start over. Don't worry about it. What about uh, holding? Are you holding in between? So you take big inhale and then hold and then big exhale or you're just in and out? Honestly, I usually just go for a good abdominal breath in and out using um, letting your belly expand and trying to keep your chest quiet. Um, I like holding. I do that sometimes too. But especially for people who haven't really tried um, or really thought about their breath at all, uh, making sure that they can belly breathe is really the first step in any form of breath work or practice. Hmm. Um, is there a physiological so, difference between belly breath versus chest breath in terms yes, of, yeah, there is. See, I love so, this. Like, you know, the emotional benefits of it too, but you also have the academic and scientific and intellectual side too. Okay. Tell me about that a little bit, please. So just to keep it simple, basically breathing, um, down through your belly really helps deactivate your fight or flight system. Okay. So when we're breathing up through our chest, that's actually way more shallow and it, and and it can increase heart rate and actually increase blood pressure, et cetera. And breathing down through your belly does the opposite. It has a calming effect on the body. Um, there's some really cool articles I can kind of link to, um, if you would like me to send talking yeah. about, give um, me one. I'll put it in the show notes or two. Yeah, sure. I can send you some talking about um, the vagus nerve, which is a really important nerve that starts up in your head. It's one of your cranial nerves, um, and it plays a big role in turning off our fight or flight system and to really calming down our body. So, um, the breathing is one of the ways you can stimulate that nerve. And um, we really want you to do those nice, deep abdominal breaths to help stimulate that. 
So cool. that's Thank kind of the simple, that. simple scientific version. All right. People will um, go deeper if they want. I'll, absolutely. I'll have some good stuff in the show. So we have S for sensation, P for picture, I for inhale, R for... R for release. So this is when I go back over and kind of scan my body head to toe and say, okay, what's tight? What do I need to just say, let go? I mean, a lot of times I'll notice as a PT, you know, people just hold their stress in certain places. So for some people that maybe their shoulders or their hands, they clench their hands a lot. Maybe your jaw, maybe you grind your teeth during the day. You don't even realize it. Um, or you cross your legs a lot. And that's actually um, more of a, uh, trying to cope with stress position than, um, maybe just to do it. You're actually maybe tight. You can, it can be for some people. So you're crossing your legs and really like kind of tightening down everything. Um, yeah, that might be a way you're trying to actually deal with stress more. So that may be where you're holding it. Um, and I see that a lot and, um, and you know, especially headache, neck, shoulder pain patients that I, even back pain patients that I deal with, it's always very interesting to kind of find, see what areas continuously um, get tight. And there's, there's a, you know, as a PT, I'm looking at them as though the muscles are tight or they're upset, but there's also very much an emotional component to that too, that I really try to um, tap into and kind of find out, you know, when are these positions, um, you know, really aggravating these muscles? What else is going on then? What's going on in your daily life that's causing you to be in these positions, et cetera? So, sorry, that's a little digress, but that's um, great. But yeah, so that's one of the ways I'm like, I, I think I'm different than like your average PT on the block, is I'm really looking at how does all this fit in together. It's not just oh, your muscles are tight, let's treat you treat your tight muscles. But part of treating your tight muscles might be talking about are you having a lot of stress at night? You know, when when this is happening or and other things that are going on. There are other factors that play into why our muscles and um, joints don't feel good. So I have a personal um, question for you if we get to it on that. Note. Okay. But let's keep going on spirit. So we've got R for release, I for... Yeah, so release your muscle tension. Um, I is for intention, really, just to take a moment. And, and this one, something Andy talks a lot about too, um, that you want to just remind yourself why you're doing this. Why are you taking this moment? Like... Um, you know, are you taking it because you felt yourself getting irritated and stressed and you just needed a time out? Did you, you know, are you hoping to be more calm, have that difficult conversation with somebody later, or are you a little moment of peace? I mean, it's, it doesn't matter why you're doing it. Just taking a moment and asking yourself why. And then T is the thanks part. And um, I just really believe in, um, you know, what Christ said about giving thanks in all things. And I think we should be thankful no matter what our religious beliefs are, um, you know, for, for a moment to pause in this busy life and stressful life and to just take, even if it was a five second moment, or if you got a full 30 minutes in the bathtub, whatever it was, the act of acknowledging and giving thanks is still so powerful and, um, helps just put your heart in a place of gratitude. And I think going forward throughout your day, that's just going to help kind of recenter and refocus on what's important. And you're just thankful. Hey, I got a moment to just pause today. That's great. Um, That's the little um, acronym I use just when I need to just take a a little pause. Like I said, it usually actually isn't during like my 20 minute meditation time. That's like a, I'm feeling stressed. I need a moment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's that's the thing is this. If you don't have twenty minutes, you could cycle through this in a minute. Maybe oh, you can absolutely! Even do this in Thirty seconds. You don't. Absolutely. It's just a moment. Scientifically, a moment is three seconds, according to Daniel Kahneman. 
Okay, I don't know why well. I remember that. We have, <laughs> we have 600 million moments in the average lifespan. Can we take one? Can we take one of those 600 million moments, just chill the heck out, and take uh, a spirit moment? I like exactly. it. It's a good challenge for myself and for other people to think about is, yeah, you know what? I've got a moment. Actually, I think I have five moments. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe I even have 20. How about that? Amazing. Yeah. Okay, I want to get back to real quick. You were talking about uh, the assessment and your physical therapy practice and your mindset. I want yeah. to go through uh, a brief little case study so that people can understand just how you are very different from I've gone and I've seen, I've had family members go to physical therapists. They're wonderful people. They do wonderful work, but you're right. You do think and practice things very differently than at least mm-hmm. here in America, what we would typically think of as the domain of a physical therapist. So let's say I come to you and I tell you that my right calf is often sore, which it is, uh, particularly <laughs> after standing for 30 minutes or more at my standing desk at home, which I've been doing for the last <laughs> 50 minutes or so talking to you. That's it. That, that's all I know. Like, I don't have any more self-awareness about my triggers or how long it's been going on. Mm-hmm. Where would you guide me from there? So usually, you're right. When you say self-awareness, usually that's my first step is if I have, especially if I, um, obviously I have patients fault paperwork where it's a little unique in the sense that I also, I ask the basic, I keep it simple, but I ask the basic things that you would expect on there. But then I also ask, you know, about, um, you know, dietary habits and sleep habits and, um, activity habits. And I ask some other lifestyle questions that you probably typically don't see on a regular, um, physical therapy evaluation. They're not, they're not too invasive. It's funny how some people though will, will be like, why are you even asking me this? And that's when I know we've kind of got to start back and say, Hey, all these things are way more connected than people attribute to. And unfortunately, our healthcare system is so fractionated that you're usually relegated to multiple people <laughs> when a lot of our problems are way more interrelated than we give them credit for. So, um, What's one of those questions, the more holistic approach? So, like, I'll, I mean, I will definitely ask, like, to list out your, you know, what you eat in a day. Um, you know, what are your religious preferences? What are even your music preferences? Things that are going to just give me a little idea on how you tick. And then usually I'll talk... I don't ask on the questionnaire, but usually we'll talk some about stress and stressors and sleep habits and definitely sleep position and um, a lot of movement-focused questions, but they still relate. I mean, if somebody is not sleeping well, I mean, we've got a much higher chance of seeing um, pain throughout the day than if they're not if they're sleeping really well. So um, it matters. It matters. I'm not a sleep expert by any means, but I need to know if your sleep's not going well. Yeah. Um, and well, sometimes if it's a positional issue, then I can help with that. So, this um, is somewhat related. Uh, from what I understand, and tell me if I'm understanding it wrong. So in your professional yoga therapist program, mm-hmm. so the, the physical realm, how I'm sleeping. I mean, when I'm sleeping, I, don't, I can't be mindful. Uh, I'm not eating. There's not a lot of other things that I'm doing activity-wise that are going to deteriorate how I function during the day. But... The physical realm was only one of the five elements of yoga in the professional yoga therapist program. Can you just briefly touch on the other four, this more holistic approach? Yeah, sure. So I guess just to give a kind of little background on the program in general, the program is for healthcare professionals only. So it's the only yoga training program in the 
world that only trains healthcare professionals. So um, unlike a traditional, you know, yoga, yoga, there, well, there's even something called yoga therapy, which is not by healthcare professionals. That's a kind of a big battle of terminology right now. But um, professional yoga therapists are actually licensed healthcare providers. So they've gone to school for a, um, a healthcare degree and are now um, also trained to approach everything from a um, yoga perspective. So we in the program have five areas that we look at um, that my instructor calls the Pentagon of wellness. One of them is the physical. So that would be like your yoga postures or in my physical therapy case, whether I'm teaching someone yoga postures or a combination of yoga postures and a more traditional exercise, whatever exercise I'm doing, um, that would also include like how their sleep is actually going. Um, but there's also um, the intellectual or self-awareness. So really talking about um, that, that's another area. So we're, we're talking about self-awareness, boundaries, what, um, and energetic is more usually focused on kind of the breathing, maybe music, incorporating music as well. Um, psycho-emotional social is um, what it sounds like. It talks a little bit more about looking at relationships and new, forgot to say nutrition kind of falls under the physical too. But sometimes that relates to the psycho-emotional social as well. Talking about things like maybe anti-inflammatory diets if need be, talking about meditation for forms of stress reduction, you know, encouraging people to also be established, you know, with like a PCP and primary care provider, things like that, that are also going to give them a support system. So it may look like encouraging social outings or it can be a variety of things. Um, and then also um, the spiritual is the last uh, finger. And that would really be depending on what the person's spiritual preference are. And that could be anything from as simple as just adding a daily meditation or journal practice to really tapping into their spiritual beliefs and giving them some recommendations if that's something that's really important to them. So um, it's really pulling everything together, um, not in the sense of, and, and also sending them on their way. If, if somebody needs really intensive nutritional counseling, you know, I'm finding somebody else to help come in and do that. I, you know, I'm, I definitely can give some nutritional recommendations, but I'm not somebody who designs, I'm not trained to design, you know, a full nutrition plan. Like here's what you eat every meal, right. you know, but if somebody needs that, then finding them the right provider to do that. But it's very e easy to sidestep a lot of those extra pieces in the traditional practice. And unfortunately, in the traditional practice, we don't really have that much time to spend with people. You barely get through just understanding their physical aspect that yeah. you, you don't have time to talk about the rest of it. <laughs> it there's no wonder. I, your timeline to help people would probably be in weeks and months, not in terms of like a near instant, hey, just take this pain pill and, whoa, my pain is gone. Uh, but right. I wonder when I'm going to have to pop the next pill because it didn't exactly. really address the underlying issue here. I would imagine that makes the pitch to potential clients somewhat difficult in terms of what they're accustomed to just resolving immediately whatever the, the physical or emotional discomfort is that they're having as opposed yeah. to doing the work, having long conversations with somebody like you, coming up with a plan and experimenting and failing and trying something different and coming back again. 
Exactly. I, I would imagine that's pretty difficult. It is, but um, and it, and it's a little different depending on the person, obviously, too. So say with my, um, I do see a lot of pediatrics and youth athletes. Pediatrics is my, pretty much my primary focus. And, um, I, you know, it's different when you're dealing with an underage kid than when you're dealing with an adult, because there's more factors that come into play when you're dealing with somebody who's under 18, (laughs) there's parents involved, you know, like it's not just you and the patient. Um, so it's going to look different for me, um, talking to them on these, all these levels and, Youth and athletes are actually um, just different in general from the regular population. Um, and so it, you know, it looks different depending on which of my subset of clients I'm dealing with. But I really try to, for as much as the patient wants me to, to look at all these areas. And, you know, they have to be also willing to talk about these things. And if they're not, then they're not. But, you know, I, I definitely make them make it clear up front. We're going to we're going to talk about it. And if you feel comfortable and explain to them why this other part of their life may actually be impacting their physical pain. And I think that's the biggest eye opener is when they start to realize the connection there. I think the easiest one, honestly, to kind of start to introduce people with is really that intellectual and energetic side. So really helping with their body awareness and their self-awareness and helping them form boundaries on their physical limitations, but then also starting to incorporate some breathing techniques. Um, That's really the easiest place to start with people, honestly. They're they're more willing to listen to things about that um, because it's more easy to explain, hey, you know, if we practice this deep breathing, it's going to help calm your body down, may actually help decrease your pain. You know what I mean? Um, much easier Your stress than, hormones are going to go down as well, and you yes. have to rely on them to get through the day and then have adrenaline fatigue and maybe burn out exactly. your adrenal glands. And I, so. I don't know what I just said. I'm not a medical professional, <laughs> <laughs> but I do see associations between just go, 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 stress, 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 like relying on cortisol and uh, other hormones to keep us up and engaged and going, and then you're going to crash. Right. Maybe it's not tomorrow. Maybe it's not even this year, but it's going to happen. And this yeah. crash, recover, crash, recover, crash, recover cycle, up and down, up and down. I just, I know too many people who are still in that. And I think, yes. just can you, you don't, it's settling is the wrong word. Can you adjust? Can you embrace a more even life, a more right. even head, a more even physical exercise routine? Like that to me, we all want to have highs. I want them as much as everyone else in terms of achieving something big or having some kind of emotional or spiritual epiphany. But what's my baseline? Can right. I set my baseline higher so that if I dip below it, I'm still not at, a, at the bottom. I'm still up pretty high. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I have patients. It, it does not surprise me when somebody comes in, they say their pain's gotten worse. And then about 15 minutes later, they'll be like, yeah, I've been really stressed this week. I mean, and they'll start to kind of put, they'll start to put it together, but it's very interesting how, um, a lot of times that correlates. Um, and I see that like their physical, their emotional struggles are manifesting in physical pain. And it's not that, and that doesn't mean that there's not something wrong. Like that doesn't mean that physically there still isn't an issue or that their pain's any less real. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, but there is a correlation. They are they are joined together rather than two complete separate entities. 
Wow. That was deep. Okay, I'm going to give you one more chance to go deep with us here. Uh, is there anything that we did talk about that you would like people to know? I think your calf pain has hope. How about that? <laughs> yes. Yes. Although I think I'd probably need to see you and see you a little bit more to, uh, to give you some more recommendations. But I, I will send you Skype. pictures. There's always Skype video, right? <laughs> True. Um, How about I just send you a picture of me listening or a video of me listening to some calming music. I'll be in birds of paradise on my right foot. That's a yoga pose for folks who aren't uh, familiar with it. And then you can say, Joel, Joel, Joel. Oh, what are we going to do with you? Okay, buddy. Here's what needs to happen. Exactly, exactly. That is interesting, though. If you're standing, you must not be standing equally. At least not. that's... That's that's definitely the the first assumption we can probably make. Okay. Fortunately, that is pretty much mm-hmm. my biggest challenge today, at least, and that's a pretty good one to have. Like I, you were talking about taking a moment to be grateful, to say thanks. Mm-hmm. I'm taking a moment right now to think about how amazing it is that you and I got to have a conversation, and I get to share your wisdom with everyone in the world who's going to listen to it, uh, and how any challenges that I have are pretty dang minor in the grand scheme of things, and just keeping that perspective. All right, enough about me. I want this to be about you. For the folks who are really digging what you were talking about and they want to explore your world a little bit more, where would you like them to go? Sure. Well, I feel like I'm found in a few places. My practice... Um, which is just my name, Christine Walker Physical Therapy, is found um, at drwalkerpt.com. And um, I'm also, um, for people who like reading physical therapy things, I'm a contributor to the manualtherapist.com blog, which is a fantastic physical therapy blog with some really great folks on it. It's been around a while. And so I've written a few posts on there um, that talks a little more in depth about my use of yoga and my practice, but it is written for clinicians. I mean, patients are welcome to read it and explore it, but it is not written in just uh, simple terms. How about that? Um, but people can look there and see some of my articles. Um, I've also that meditation uh, post we've been talking about is posted at the simple and mama spelled M A M A S. I have been, kind of converting slowly. When I was on bed rest, I started blogging some about my experiences, et cetera. So if anybody really wants to go back and peruse that, it is on there. The blog used to be called Sofa Mama because that was pretty much what I was doing, laying on the mm-hmm, sofa mm-hmm. about to be mama all day. So people are welcome to go um, kind of check that out. That's more of just something I do for fun when I feel like putting projects or things I'm doing or thoughts like meditation up on there. It's way more casual, and um, they're welcome to visit that. And I think you're going to have a link to that post. So yes, those are places they can find me. To everything, your Twitter profile, that people yeah. they will be able to go deeper. And if they happen to be in the North Carolina area and they yeah. actually want to stop by, that would be pretty neato as well. Yep. Well, Christine, I- thank you a ton for your time, for your energy that you've given me, that you've given us, and everything else from this episode. I have a feeling this is going to go a long way towards improving people's uh, just general mindset or getting folks finally started down a path of a slower, simpler, more grateful, more intentional life. The kind of thing that once you stop for a moment and you think about it, I feel it's darn close to universal that we all want. And I'm glad that you and I are continuing to make our journey down that road. 
I just hope I can give people, I guess, that hope. Because <laughs> I was the last person who thought that she'd be making these changes. And there is hope for us microwave crazy people. <laughs> How about that? Wonderful to know. If nothing else, we can take comfort in that fact. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, this was tremendous. Thanks again, Christine. All right. That was certainly fun and insightful. Are you about to plan out how many of your remaining 600 million moments are going towards mindfulness, rest, maybe even listening to this show? Now, I humbly request that you use a few of those moments to say thanks to Christine at drwalkerpt.com, or she's also on Twitter with the same handle, drwalkerpt, Paul Tom. As for links to all the stuff we spoke about, topic timestamps, takeaways, more grooviness, you'll get all of that in the show notes at joelzeslovsky.com slash S-A-S-M-102. For those of you who are like, dude, I still don't know how to spell your last name. <laughs> it's Z-A-S-L-O-F-S-K-Y, joelzeslovsky.com. There's always some good stuff there. You will also see information in the show notes about how to support me, this show, and our community at joelzeslovsky.com slash support. I, as always, will happily accept a, hey, hi, howdy, how you doing there? On Twitter, uh, my handle is at joelzeslovsky, or a note about your experience listening to me chat on this show. You can do that via email. I'm at joel at joelzeslovsky.com. That was a lot of Zeslovskis in a short period of time. You know what else, though? Uh, when you share this episode or you just share the show in general with people who you feel will benefit, whether they know how to spell my name or not, whether they've even heard my name or not, whether they know what smart or simple is, if we got a good thing going on here, and I hope we do, don't keep what you and I have a secret. Please, it is tremendous when you tell other folks about what we're building here together. That's it for now. You've just listened to the Smart and Simple Matters podcast with Joel Zeslovsky. Now go simplify something, hug someone, or get your sexy spreadsheet on.